You're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide, a podcast where we discuss life, music, and spirituality. I'm your host, Eric Tomyer. All right. Man, I can't believe it's already time for episode number nine, and I am really, really excited about this week's episode. We have Dan Leonard of VoiceOver Body Shop joining me today for this conversation, and we're actually in Dan's studio for this conversation, so uh, it's probably going to be the best sounding podcast I've done. Before we get into that, I wanted to let you know of some developments. There is now an opportunity for this podcast to be listener supported. You can support this podcast. Um, It would be a huge help whether you pledge $5 a month or $50 a month. There's different things you can do to help, uh, help me put good content out there for you to listen to. So I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to do that. I'll put the website that you can give through down in the description. It's patron.podbean.com forward slash Eric Tomier. That's patron.podbean.com forward slash Eric Tomier. And like I said, the link will be in the description and all that good stuff. So without further ado, get into talking with Dan Leonard. All right. QA off of like offer up uh, yeah. a, a used one yeah. and it's got like some horrendous background noise oh jeez yeah um and i spent 150 dollars on it yeah uh the thing is underneath the the noise floor yeah like the because it's, it's like a horrendous noise floor but the quality of the voice mm-hmm. i'm like i love the sound of it if i can just get that other thing well the noise floor might be a, a, a gain staging issue you may not. Are you PC or Mac? You're using a Mac. Mac. Hmm. What? What? And you're using. I'm uh, using that. Using an, an i8i8. And, uh-huh. then, and what's the mic? Uh, it's a Rode NT2. Oh, the, the NT2 is. It, it's not a very good. It doesn't have quite the, the pickup. Yeah, I don't use want. it because yeah. it's got that issue. Um, so I spent 150 bucks on that. Right. And. Then my wife found at a garage sale yeah. for five dollars at an AT thirty thirty five. Okay. And I actually have I a thirty thirty five. I love that microphone. Oh, it was my first first big mic, and uh, I still have it. But I lent it to somebody, and they lost the uh, the shock mount to it. Mm. So, but I have it. My first mic was an AT twenty twenty. Okay, which and, really sucks, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay, we're rolling here. Okay. So. You're on. I am on. My name is Eric, and you are Dan. I think so, yes. Yeah, all right. Um, on the way here, I was involved in a traffic collision. It was a, <laughs> it was a, uh, a situation, but you know, I tried to keep my cool because I've been around enough traffic collisions that you know people turn into total assholes. You and do. I'm, you know, the name of the podcast is Don't Be an, an asshole, asshole, a yeah. spiritual guide. And so I, I'm a couple hours late, but I appreciate your time. I, I'm so glad that... Uh, not not a problem. All right. Having been in some interesting accidents myself recently, it's... Oh, really? I totally understand, yeah. Yeah. God, it's L.A., man. It is. L.A. got to be aware of who's you gotta know what You got to know what's happening. Right. You got to know what's happening. You got to have your head on a swivel, as my right. coach used to say. Right. So you okay to hang in to... To carry on here? Yeah, yeah. I've, okay. I'm a little shaken, and I'm going to go see a physician tomorrow. Okay. Uh, 
because I've been in that situation before where I'm like, I'm okay. And the adrenaline came down. I'm like, I'm not okay. All right. Well, what my podcast is for those who are only tuning in to hear you and the people who uh, and you who might not have heard uh, an episode of it is I just like to talk to people about their journey, about their life. It's all driven by by you. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of questions that I always ask. I always like to end with the same question, and I pepper a question about music somewhere in the middle. Okay. Other than that, I just want like your beginnings, like where you came from. Because I will say, I know that you come from a Jewish background. Yes. All right. You'll be the first person that I've interviewed that didn't come from even though they might st- still be practicing right. a, a Christian background mm-hmm. because I was a minister, a Christian minister for 18 years. So almost everybody I know kind of comes from that situation. Of course. I grew up in Oklahoma. So the only Jewish people I ever saw were on television, <laughs> which, which is probably almost all of them. Yeah. A lot uh, <laughs> movies. And I'm like, well, they don't look that different than me. Right. You know, why is there all this uh, racism and hatred? They, because they're, I don't know. It, it has we're been. We're not different. Anyway. Yeah. I think we're all the same, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so what I know about you mm-hmm. is that you're in voiceover, you're from Buffalo, New York, yep. and you got a sweet mustache. So you're going to have to fill in some blanks for me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's see. Well, you, you got number one right. I'm from Buffalo originally. Uh, I've lived there for 58 years. Well, 57 if you count a few other places that I lived. Grew up in a town that was, you know, a great place to grow up. The education system in New York was really, really good. I had great teachers. I have great memories of most of my teachers. Uh, always had an interest in, you know, in theater, in acting, in using my voice. Was on the announcing staff. I was also, uh, a hockey player. I played uh, goalie for till I was like forty. Oh wow! Yeah, I played in you know in high school, uh, won championships on a bunch of teams. Nice. Uh, and um, you know, and then I played in college, and then played you know for a lot of you know local teams for for a few years, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, but by the time you get to forty, your chiropractor keeps saying. You should keep playing because you'll come keep coming to visit me every week. <laughs> so I, I, I gave that up when I when I hit forty, uh, and then uh, actually maybe it was forty two. Like all I remember is I had a jersey that said forty plus on it. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I, I spent a, a good piece of my career from about nineteen eighty nine when I gra- or nineteen seventy nine when I graduated from college in uh, radio. Okay. Um, I, I I worked in Buffalo. I worked in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for a short time, uh, breaking the all-time record, I think, for working for sixteen different stations in the span of a year. Oh my! Yeah, yeah. Uh, that have you ever seen Bull Durham? Uh, yeah, the Kevin Costner movie yeah, yeah, when he's yeah. like being the all-time leading home run. Yeah, right. Minor, is a dubious I, record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's an officially kept record of that. But, um, <laughs> But I and I can't remember all the call letters of all the different stations. And you can look at that and like, God, you went through sixteen stations. And I'm like, yeah, but it means sixteen stations hired me. Yeah. So you know, it's like if they weren't good enough for me, I left. Or if I wasn't, you know, what they were looking for, they asked they, you they, to move on. They asked me to move on. So I went back to Buffalo and spent a career there working for a couple of stations. Ended up in management. I was a production director for many years, meaning I made commercials, I cast the commercials, I, you know, I got them re- written, I wrote them, I recorded them, I edited them, 
and put them on and sold whatever it was our sponsors were trying to sell. And Living uh, the dream. Yeah, and it was all reel-to-reel stuff. It was, you know, you, you did it with a grease pencil and a razor blade and <laughs> got slightly better technology. And then radio and I departed ways. I also did a talk show for a couple of years on a public station, okay, which was a lot of fun. I met a lot of interesting people and uh, learned how to be a talk show host and what's really involved in that. I had to come up with six guests a weekend. It was called Weekend at Your Service. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was it was it was a hard show to produce, but I got it done, and uh, I did that show for like five years. Oh man! And then um, <laughs> radio and I just sort of left each other in uh, in nineteen in nineteen ninety one. Okay, uh, and that's when music just started getting good again. Yeah, no, because it was good during the early eighties, and then you know it has. I personally, I don't think it's been good since. But I was I was I went through uh, one marriage and uh, which really was the start of my spiritual journey. Okay. Uh, but then I left uh, radio and I became a life insurance salesman. I had an uncle that had a practice and he wanted somebody to pick it up, but I, it just wasn't for me. Right. Although I did do it for about four years, uh, and then sold long-term care insurance, which I really believed in. Got out of that, went back to school, got my teaching certificate. And started teaching high school social studies. Okay. And went through some interesting gyrations with that. You can't take somebody who worked in the private sector for 20 years and then throw him into a, a Marxist bureaucracy <laughs> and expect things to really work well. So, uh, you, you know what George Carlin says about the public school system? What's that? Just the government wants people smart enough to run the machinery, but too stupid to know they're getting effed over by the man. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I did that for a while, and then for three and a half years, and then um, through a series of bizarre things that happened, uh, one being an assassination in my, in my neighborhood, and I was working at this very rural district. Uh, it was a, a, a high-risk obstetrician. The guy was a real superstar at saving babies, but he also performed abortions, and he was assassinated by this gentleman named Gentleman. This asshole named uh, James Cop, and it happened right around the corner from my house. So the next day on TV, they're showing all these expensive houses in you know in my neighborhood where this happened, and they're all I'm working in this rural district. They're, Who's this rich Jew that's working in our in our school district? And I was essentially tossed out of there before I got tenure. Oh my lord! You know, and then I got a job at an inner ring suburban school, suburban school, and that was like jumping from the fireplace, you know, into the bonfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, a, a principal who didn't want to hire me, but a superintendent that did. So the principal made that's, my life miserable. That's rough. And I lasted there six months, and I said, "I'm out of here." Sounds like you're the Vinny Testaverde of jobs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then. Um, uh, then I found myself as a stay-at-home dad. I was on uh, my second marriage. We're much happier. Yeah. Uh, but um, how many children? Two. Two. Two boys. Two boys. Yeah. They uh, they're they're doing pretty well, but they're an interesting story in themselves. But I found myself at home as a stay-at-home dad and trying to figure out something to do. Was still doing a little bit of long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. I was finishing up my master's degree in <laughs> was social studies, history, uh, education, but I also got involved in the um, the Problem Solving Institute. So I got a my master's is actually in social studies and in creative problem solving. Okay. Or creative studies, I think is what they called it. Oh wow! And, uh, and there it is, right on the wall, next to the Hebrew National Clock. <laughs> um, 
So I, I, while I was finishing my master's degree, I, the story is, is I got to do a, um, uh, a radio documentary on a local jazz musician who turned out to be not who he appeared. Mm-hmm. He was very popular. He was a really good uh, arranger. Turns out he was the father of bebop. And, oh, okay. You know, and actually was in the original cast of Porgy and Bess. And it was just a great story. And it was all on video. And I'm like, I can't find any stock footage of Harlem in the 1920s except for stuff about Marcus Garvey and the Black Star Line. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so I decided it's a radio documentary. I can take the audio off the video and mm-hmm. I can edit it because I know how. Right. And it was all done digitally, so it was like drawing with crayons as opposed to reel-to-reel mm-hmm. and, uh, and razor blade and a grease pencil, because I could do it on my computer. And then it just dawned on me. I'm like, wait a second. If I can record in my basement and record anywhere digitally and edit on a computer, shouldn't I be able to do like voiceover for commercials and stuff like that? So I typed in voiceover in a search engine, and this is in 2003, mm-hmm. and like when you're watching The Wizard of Oz and Dorothy opens the door of her her house from black and white and it turns in the color, yeah. the voiceover, the online voiceover industry was just beginning. Right. And so I was able to ride the early crest of that wave, which was a total revolution in our mm-hmm. business because now anybody could do it. It doesn't mean anybody should, should. do it, but it meant that everybody could. So I was getting a lot of inquiries through early social media on how do you set up a home studio. Uh-huh. And I had no trouble setting it up. And uh, I knew I understood modulation and proper mic technique and all these things. So people kept asking me about it. My wife finally said, you know, you really should hang out a shingle if you, you can't give away 30 years of knowledge and just give it away. So uh, I started becoming the home studio master as well, and I've been, you know, consulting with people on how to create a home voiceover studio. Well, that's that's really cool. Yeah, you know. And then um, we came out to California three years ago uh, because my younger son has very high functioning Aspergers. Okay. But he's an extremely talented animator. Oh, all right. And we found that if we stayed in Buffalo, he would live in our basement in Buffalo, which mm-hmm. I think is actually the punchline of a George Carlin joke uh, itself. And he would have no career. We found a school here in Sherman Oaks called Exceptional Minds, which trains people with autistic spectrum disorders who happen to be highly talented at animation and, sp- and visual effects and digital uh, special effects um, and get them certified and prepare them to work in the industry. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, we're like, really? So we came out here to, uh, you know, he went to a summer workshop. I wanted to see if they liked him. They wanted to see if, you know, if he liked them. I drove around, tried to find a house here in Sherman Oaks. He was very pleased with them and they were very pleased with him. And uh, he started there for a three-year program in 2015. So we moved out here in 2015 and bought this house that had this marvelous recording studio already built out here. Nice. Because the, the former owners were musicians. And uh, it's been converted <laughs> into a voiceover and a studio and a television studio. That is so cool, man. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. And in 2011, uh, a good friend of mine, George Whittem, who's a uh, also a home studio, there's only two home studio experts in the world when it comes to voiceover. We just happen to be good friends. He was living in Santa Monica, and uh, we started doing, we had been doing the show from Buffalo and Santa Monica. We called it East-West Audio Body Shop, or Cabs. Okay. And then we came out here, and then we just called it the Voiceover Body Shop, or VO 
BS. Yes. And uh, we and now I get to interview all these great people in my industry face to face, like you and I are here in the studio. This is really cool. I'm I'm really thrilled to be here because I I've, I watched the show and. Here's the deal. When you're in a specialized industry, the person you look up to in that industry is like a celebrity, but nobody else knows it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was a, a pastor for 18 years. And so one time I met Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of the largest church in America mm-hmm. or one of the largest churches in America. And he was just like really cool, mm-hmm. like ni- a nice guy, a normal guy. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And so, but if you... And then I've met celebrities here in Los Angeles, yeah. but the only person I ever geeked out about meeting was Dallas Willard, the chair of philosophy at USC, because I love philosophy. Right. He was a, a Christian author and a philosopher, which mm-hmm. those two juxtapos- juxtaposed uh, positions are usually against each other, but he made them mesh together really well. And so when I read his books, something in my spirit just kind of woke up and I was like, oh my God. So when I met him, I was like, you're Dallas Willard. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, and I so, get that all the time when I go to conferences and stuff. You're, I went to a podcasting conference in Philadelphia earlier this summer, and not knowing anybody that you know was there, and there were five Aren't You Dan Leonard sightings. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool. You know? Yeah, but you know, outside of the specialized group, you know, like Andy yeah. Stanley can walk down the street, even though he's the pastor of like 50,000 people. And there's like 100,000 pastors who are like, oh, man, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But like someone, your next door neighbor is not going to go like, man, did you say Andy Stanley at the uh, the filling station? And yeah. same with Dallas Willard, right. a much smaller following. But me, I was like, oh, my God, it's Dallas Willard. Yeah. And he died. So yeah, sorry to hear but that. But I, I got to meet him though. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. You'll find that most celebrities are just regular people. And yeah. Having interviewed many, many people mm-hmm. you know, who are almost A listers. Yeah. Uh, you find they're they're just like everybody else. Yeah. They just happen to have a certain talent that they've been able to exploit. And uh, you know, and sometimes they're on-screen persona is not the same as who they really are, which yeah. is sometimes very pleasant. Yeah, I've met some really nice people that I thought were going to be total douchebags. <laughs> you know, uh, I had a like an A-list actor the other day. I was doing background on a TV show, and he just walked up and shook my hand and told and and said, "Thanks for being here today, man." And and introduced himself using his first name, like, "Yeah, I know who you are." Right. <laughs> you know. Right. But it was so unassuming that it threw me off a little bit. Yeah. So that's me here in right. Southern California, enjoying the weather. Surely, surely oh, beats man. Buffalo in February and, and January and March. Oh so. man, I tell you, I, I and you're right at that uh, threshold that I tell people, I'm like, if a person can live in L.A. for three years and at the end of it they've had no major heartbreaks, they can still afford a place to live and eat food they don't find repulsive. <laughs> where else in the country can you live? Exactly. And yeah, you get so used to it. Look at it. You're so used to it. Yeah. The people, the pace, because L.A. has a, it's for people in the, say, the south and the Midwest, L.A. is fast paced. Mm-hmm. But for people from the East Coast, L.A. is slow paced. But we have a pace that's unique to Los Angeles. No question about There's it. There's nothing like it in the world. Are you from here originally? No, I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm from the reddest state in the country. Okay. Yeah. And so I don't really want to move back. Like what I tell people is Oklahoma is a great place to be from. Right. Because it makes you tough as nails. Right. It has. Now, it doesn't have the type of winters that Buffalo has. Yeah. But it's got hundred and something humid summers 
It's got winters that do get below zero. Yeah. You got to dodge tornadoes all spring. Right. And now because I think because of the oil fracking, we get earthquakes. Right. So we got the full freaking spectrum over there. Yeah. And I grew up in Buffalo. We have blizzards. Yeah. You know. Those are. Yeah. But I, you know, I got, you get used to it after a while. Oh, man. But then again, it's like, you know, I could be where it's warm. Yeah. Um, But the thing I have found about living in L.A., aside from the incredible diversity of its population, Mm -hmm. it's a company town. It's the entertainment business. Yeah. You know, and support industries for that. Uh, it's it's the way people are here. People tend to treat crosswalks as sidewalks. <laughs> yeah. Driving, as you found today, is nuts. You really have to be a good defensive driver here. Mm-hmm. Uh, although most people are extremely pleasant. Mm-hmm. And some people are more pleasant than others. Yeah. You know, like the little old lady who feels that she has to tell her life story to the cashier at the supermarket. Right. And... Service here is a little bit slower, and uh, of course, and it's very expensive to live here. Oh, it's very expensive, you know, to live which here. is why we have such a big homeless problem here. Mm-hmm. You know, but not me, you know. Yeah. I have the resources to be here. I'm going to be here. Yeah, this this works for me. Well, it's it's a beautiful property, and uh, I, I love being inside the studio. I kind of want to camp out right here. But, <laughs> um, this is really comfy. Well, let's. Backtrack just a minute sure. because you glossed over something in your story and said that's where the start of your spiritual journey began. Because I always like to find out where people started gripping on to spirituality or lean into spirituality. I mean, some the hardest things that you, a person has to go through is a death in the family, a divorce, a move. You've done all of these things, you yeah. know, and haven't and, killed anyone yet, and haven't killed anybody yet. <laughs> so take me through as much as you're comfortable taking, sure. you know, talking about that. Uh, how that first marriage ending led you into a spiritual yeah. awakening. Well, my, my first wife, first off, she was 10 years older than me. Okay. And she moved in downstairs from the apartment where I was living. You know, it was a, a two-story duplex. Somehow, you know, she she got me thinking certain ways because we just became friendly and uh, she had a little bit of the spirit in her. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit, a lot more of the spirit in her. And she started to show me things that I had not seen before. Okay. And I remember I was brought up very conservatively Jewish, mm-hmm. had a bar mitzvah, all that stuff, sort of walked away from it for, for a while because it just doesn't appeal to people in their 20s. Yeah. She was a new ager. This was in 1984, 1985. But she got me, I was study, I studied with Tony Robbins actually certified in, in neurolinguistics. Okay. So I studied personally with Tony Robbins. I mean, so he's somebody who I knew and worked with and learned an awful lot from him. Was Jim Rohn still around at that time? Mm, or I remember the name. No. Oh, he was Tony's uh, mentor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he had a number of mentors. Yeah. You know, Zig Ziglar yeah. and, and a few others like that. But himself, he was a very, very charismatic individual. Oh, yeah. But, but he really understood how to communicate with people. And I decided that I not want to be a professional NLP pr- t- practitioner. I don't like reaching inside people's brains uh-huh. and seeing what goes on inside mm-hmm. there. It's very dangerous. I use some of the other techniques, you know, to, to positively communicate with people. And uh, she, you know, she showed me some interesting spiritual things. I would go see, a, you know, a yogi holding an audience and walking in and seeing this blue glow around him. I'm like, my God goodness, what is going on there? Right. You're really seeing people's auras and seeing things that you're like, you wouldn't really think actually existed. 
And this is not on mind-altering drugs. This was just experiencing these things. Yeah, you're not you're not on the the what are the, the DP something or right, right. or mushrooms or right, something. Right. Yeah. And she was into what was called angel listening. She was channeling things, and I'm like, you know, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> and you get to learn where you get to separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Know? How much of it is nonsense? Who is really a gifted? spiritual healer mm-hmm. and i met a couple of chiropractors and natural naturopaths who truly were healers okay and i was very impressed by that but my relationship with my my ex-wife just deteriorated she was you know she was going in one direction i was going in another yeah. direction and we split up and then uh i met my second wife my current wife of of 24 years uh congratulations thank you and she was brought up Somewhat conservatively Jewish, but her father was very active in their synagogue, and he was a great guy. Uh, Very successful insurance broker. And uh, his kids were taught all the basics, Mm -hmm. you know, and they went to Hebrew school and all that, which I did as well, which was a horrible experience. (laughs) Uh, But the basics are still there, and as long as you remember those basics, when you get older, they become much more valuable. Right. So... I took from, I got what I got from that first marriage, which was fascinating, and then transferred it back to seeing what Judaism was all about, and really starting to practice that again, and finding I enjoyed it. That's great. You know, that it, it, it had meaning. Yeah. And it, I find that Judaism is fascinating because it really forces you to think and to discuss and debate you know, the word Israel means wrestles with God. Yeah. Nobody wrestles with God more than Jews do. Yeah. And, I, just to interject real quick, yeah. that's one of the things I love about Judaism is that, see, in Christian theology, it's it seems to be, and I know I'm speaking for a ton, I'm, I'm, I'm painting with super broad strokes. Okay. All right. But in Christian theology, in my experience, and I have a degree in, mm-hmm. in, in theology, mm-hmm. is about us as the theologians coming up with the answers and then telling you as the people what the answers are. Mm-hmm. Whereas in in Jewish theology, it seems to be like more about continually questioning from the entire congregation, from the entire group. Right. Yeah, but what about, and okay, that's an interesting point, but have you ever thought about it from this perspective? That's and, what it is. And that appeals to me so much that I have actually laid my credentials down from my very conservative denomination mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a free agent right now you know but yeah. I really I I still believe in I'm a messianic uh Christ centered mm-hmm. thing but I just I love the the constant questioning so much yeah some of it you know you you put a lot of Jews in a room you get a lot of questions it's you know and and we laugh about it and we you know we you know, we enjoy each other's company, and it's it's really moving. And this is a very special time of the year for us. It was just uh, Rosh Hashanah yesterday and, oh, and Monday. Very spiritual. It's what we call the time of teshuva, where you really you forgive people for the things that perhaps they've done to you, and they forgive you for the stupid things you've done to them. And it's it's really it's a coming together time. Yeah. And uh, and and a time of introspection. And then Yom Kippur is next week, hmm. where you know where it's like okay, it's New Year's. Get a, you have a clean slate, try again. Yeah. And, and, and you know, sin is sin, and yeah. sin in Judaism is a lot of different things. Uh, it's like, it just means 
off the path. You're trying yeah. to find this godly path. Interesting story. And one of the things that really took me down another road, well, this further down the road that I was going, uh, my older son's bar mitzvah was coming up. And he okay. was studying with this very learned rabbi who was legendary, smart guy, fun to be around. Back in New York? This is back in Buffalo. Yeah. And he was he was going to uh, his lesson one day, and I got a call. I said, no, Lewis forgot his tefillin, his, uh, his phylactylary. It's, it's something you wear on, uh, in the morning and something you learn to wear when, you, when you're get, taking your bar mitzvah lesson. So I'm like, okay, I'll grab it. Got in the car, drove back over there, got sort of sucked into the vortex of the lesson that, mm. that the rabbi was teaching him. And the rabbi was a good friend of ours, but he was also very learned. And I'm like, okay, I got to go home because this lesson was continuing. So I drove home. And as I'm driving home, I thought to myself, you know, yeah, you go to you go to go to synagogue on Saturday morning for a bar mitzvah or you know or whatever reason, and you read the Torah every Saturday morning. It's like, you know, I'd really like to read it maybe all the way through and yeah. give it a more instead of like a little bit every Saturday morning and maybe, you know, once during the week and I want to read it from start to finish the next morning. I remember I'm a voice actor, so I'm constantly looking at auditions and what's, you know, and, and something was sent to me. We're looking for somebody to read biblical passages, you know, and, and I saw it was a rabbi, and I'm like, oh, it was one of the latter sections of the last book, uh, the Torah, and I recognized it. Uh, Hainu, I think it was called, and it was a about the speech that Moses makes to the Jews yeah, just yeah. before they're about to enter the land of Israel. And uh, so I read that, as you would read any, you know, any biblical uh, passage, sent off the recording. But an hour later, I get a call from this rabbi, and he's like, we want you to do this. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? He says, we want you to read the Torah from the beginning to the end. <laughs> and my wife will attest to this, that I woke up, you know, when the, before this all happened, I just... I woke up in a start that morning and ran downstairs to my studio and turned on my computer and checked my email and there was that audition. Hmm. You, you can't get any more spiritual than that. It's, yeah. It's, it's the almighty saying, this, you're supposed to do this. Yeah. This led to a lot of other things. So I, I ended up doing this project. It, it was eight months. Okay. It was in English, uh -huh. except we used the Hebrew names, not the Greek Latin names or anything. We used- Example. The, Isaac is Yitzhak. Okay. Moses is Moshe. Okay. Jacob is Yaakov. That sort of thing. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, and and, and it was a very interesting uh, book because it was it contained a lot of commentary by Rashi, who was one of the great Middle Eastern sages who really helped you understand what is going on in this. And where can I find a copy of that? Uh, it's the uh, the Jewish Audio Bible, and okay. you can find it at uh, kolmenachem.com. Okay. It took us eight months to record it, and I was on the phone with this rabbi three mornings a week, and then I would say, and Isaac Bord is, no, 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 it's, it's Yitzchak Moflem. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and what's really, what's really cool about it is that it's, you know, it's, it's still available on that website, and whenever I, and it's for Orthodox. All right. Well, that was part one with Dan. Part two will be coming up next week, and we get a little bit deeper into the journey. And uh, it's some good stuff, man. I really, really enjoy getting to know Mr. Dan Leonard a little bit. Check out his links below. 
If you need a home studio for voiceover, then he's definitely your guy. Next week, part two. All right.